What's up, nerds? Welcome to the first part of February's Nerdologues Presents Your Stories podcast. My name is Eric Arnaud, your MC and producer extraordinaire. Before we get to the show today, there's a lot of business we've got to cover. Uh, first, thanks to our awesome new home venue, the Upstairs Gallery in Andersonville. This month's episodes are the first recorded there, and they've given us a great space to host our AA meetings for nerds. We'll be doing our usual monthly shows there for the foreseeable future, so please come out and enjoy this fantastic venue and its wonderful staff. Speaking of the future, we've got a huge calendar of upcoming shows to promote, so sorry about that. Uh, The next year's stories recording will take place at the aforementioned Upstairs Gallery. That's 5219 North Clark Street in Chicago, on Sunday, February 19th at 7pm. As always, these shows are free to attend, and the Upstairs Gallery also has a BYOB policy. There's a great liquor store a few doors down, FYI. Uh, Even if you don't want to tell a story, you're welcome to come and enjoy the company and laugh and or cry along with the speakers as is appropriate. Uh, Starting this month, Your Stories is also branching out into remote events. That's right, nerds, we're taking the shows to you. Our first stop, what will hopefully be many, will take place at Challengers Comics, 1845 Northwestern Avenue on Monday, February 27th at 7pm. Again, this is a free event, and it takes place in a comic book store. How cool is that? Now, we'll be recording a podcast there, too, of course. Uh, the Nerdlog Sketch Troupe also has a few sweet performances coming up worth mentioning. They'll be at the Des Plaines Comedy Fest in Des Plaines, Illinois, on Saturday, March 31st at 4 p.m. Am I saying Des Plaines right? I don't know. Uh, they'll also be hitting a few conventions this year, like Chicago's own C2E2, the weekend of April 13th through 15th, the specific performance time and venue to be announced. And once again, we are crossing state lines to come down to the inaugural Project Comic-Con in St. Louis, Missouri, on Saturday, June 9th. So Southern fans, hope to see you there! Alright, now to the episode at hand. In this first part of this month's show, we've got four great speakers and a very special musical guest. First up, Steve Persh illuminates us on how coolness is context-dependent. Then Sean Boyle shares his obsession with the apocalypse. Kevin Reeder relives the glory days of 8th grade basketball. And to close out the show, special guest Matt Elfring shares some great stories from writing for the geek utopia known as Comic Vine. In place of Dwight Hassler's usual singing chops, my good buddy Matt Heckler has stepped in to provide tunes for this month's episodes, so you can catch more of Matt and the rest of February's great stories in a few weeks when part two drops. Until then, please enjoy our nerdy confessions. These are my confessions Just when I thought I said all I can say I came up with more secrets to tell you today These are my confessions I have no
actually got me that harmonica for Christmas two years ago. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Matt. Oh. <laughs> uh, right now we have a, a comedian, a writer, and a stand-up fella, Steve Persh. Uh, Steve, you're standing up. I told you. I told you. Uh, I'll sit down now. Uh, so, take my word for it that I felt nerdy for much of my life. Uh, grade school, I felt nerdy. High school, uh, I was one of the AP advanced classes, nerdy kids. Uh, college, I was the doesn't drink alcohol nerdy kid. First job out of college, I was the runs the website nerdy guy. Uh, but then out of college, uh, after that first job, I, I got more and more into uh, website work, which is something I wasn't expecting to do, having... Uh, been a theater major and not taken any classes in web development. Uh, but I fell into it and I found out that I was pretty good at it. Uh, and when I would go to industry events and, and meet other people, uh, I felt cooler. And, and first I thought it was because uh, I was around people that I thought just as a whole uh, were nerdier than the general population, the, the kind of people who make websites. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. Uh, just as a group, web developers are a little bit nerdier, and I feel a little bit cooler. Great. Uh, and recently I've started questioning the simplicity of that idea. Uh, I think I might actually get cooler in those situations. I think I actually am more confident and less awkward, objectively, if there is an objective measurement of these things. Uh, when I'm around other web developers. And I'll tell you a story that I think illustrates this to some degree. So about a year ago, I went to the Drupal 7 launch party. Uh, Just for some background, Drupal is the open source content management system that uh, I spend my work life in. So uh, maybe to put it another way, imagine uh, OS X Lion release parties. That's kind of what this would be like. (laughs) If there were people around the world that got together and had a party for the latest major release of the Mac operating system, and they coordinated these parties all over the world and uh, Skyped with each other, and were like, hey, we're in Chicago, we're at the release party. Hey, New York, we're at the release party. Cool, great. That would be weird enough. Uh, Now, imagine that at each one of these parties, you've got people who like using... Uh, OS X Lion uh, or just Mac in general and you ha- then you have the people who built it um, so there's not necessarily going to be a ton of overlap between those people in terms of the things they can discuss uh, and uh, that struck me pretty early in the party that if all we're going to be talking about is the latest version of Drupal these conversations aren't going to get very far because it is uh, a big diverse ecosystem that uses this system and people are just going to want to talk about their little corner of it. Uh, uh, another aspect of this party is that I had just applied for a new job and the owners of the company that I applied for were at this party so I spent about the first hour of the party just talking with them. Uh, kind of as like a second round interview. So after that is over I, I rejoined with like a wider circle of people and I quickly get the sense that they have run out of things to talk about, as, as I guess would happen. Because the guy who uh, built the database layer 
knows a hell of a lot more about it than everyone else. So when he talks about it, it just goes over everyone's head. And when another person talks about uh, the theming layer, the visual layer, that goes over everybody's head. So everyone's just talking across each other. And at this point, uh, a guy I know from these events comes in, and I haven't seen him in like a year and a half at this point. I'm excited to see him. We were sort of friends um, a few years ago. And I'm happy to see him. And he brought his girlfriend, and they joined this circle of people. And I can see that he and his girlfriend, who is at her first Drupal event, <laughs> realize that no one in the circle has anything to say anymore. And if we do, it's, it's pretty nerdy. And, and I fear that he is, is regretting bringing his girlfriend. For the purpose of the story, I'll just call him Mike to, uh, to protect the identity of the, the, the innocent. So, uh, so Mike and his girlfriend are looking at each other, and they're looking at me. And I say, oh, I'm just thinking, I need to shift this so we're not talking just about Drupal. And I say... Hey, did anyone see that video of the homeless man with the golden voice? Because <laughs> that had just hit the internet. And the conversation moved on. And from then on, for the next hour or so, the conversation didn't have to be about Drupal. And I felt like I was facilitating conversations and being more confident and being perhaps a little bit more cool. Uh, a feeling I don't often get when I'm around uh, a wider, more degree more diverse group of people. Uh, so the party dies down, and, and I go home, and later I exchange emails with uh, this friend Mike, um, and he's, you know, good to see you, haven't seen you in a while, uh, and then he says, oh, just so you know, my girlfriend just referred to you as the cool normal guy. <laughs> I thought, wow, maybe, maybe I am the cool normal guy, at least at the Drupal 7 <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Steve Kirsch. This truly is context dependent. Sean Boyle from Lessons for Avery, everybody. Woo! Well, I'll keep the theme going nice and bleak and depressing. <laughs> so essentially, my blog is a one on one conversation with my genderless, non existing child. It's, it's the notion that when, you're, when the child's actually there, you probably won't have the courage or the time to talk about some darker personal shit. So this is my opportunity to do that, and you guys are welcome to uh, uh, watch along. So this is titled... Um, why didn't I print the title on my page? <laughs> it's titled, A Glass Half Full and It's Full of Poison. <laughs> Oh, oh, Never bury the lead. <laughs> Hi, Avery. It has been a tough couple of months. Yet on the surface, I have nothing to complain about. I started a new job, I'm in pretty good health, and I have a great partner to share my life with. So I feel the need to explain my recent nights of paranoia-driven sleeplessness. So what is it? Why can't I relax? I have everything going for me. So why not just close my eyes and sleep in peace? Avery, I fear the apocalypse. <laughs> for me, this word is not some excuse for a wild conspiracy theory or some cult following of a fiction horror genre where the dead come to life and eat the living. 
For me, the apocalypse is simply anything that kills my entire family. So anywhere between an atomic bomb or a head-on collision with a drunk driver, I simply lay at night wondering if something was waiting around the corner, waiting to rape and murder everything I love. I'm trying to keep this feeling of dread and panic in perspective. It's not like I think about this all the time. But with the notion of your future existence, the stakes are only getting higher. So I need to find a path towards peace with this fear, in a practical way, where I can protect my family as well as my sanity. So here are my two biggest fears. Problem number one, societal collapse. Since the day I was born, I've been raised in an environment that solely relies on a communal system to literally provide everything we need to survive. So what if that system breaks and ceases to exist? Will we just wait for death while watching our iPad's battery life trickle to 0% and try to beat that last level of Angry Birds? (laughs) So here's my solution. We as a family... We'll do lots of camping, backpacking, and we'll practice and prepare for outdoor survival. The outdoors is considered by many a place for vacation or adventure, but it's easy to forget that it's the home of many living things, and it just may end up being the home for our family. We won't have iPads or the Netflix Instant Queue, but we will always have each other, and if the family dog goes missing, don't ask me what's in the stew. I told you it was dark (laughs) Problem number two People like to rape each other (laughs) That's a problem Yes I know I do The very same community that we rely on for our survival has unfortunately created the advent of the sociopath. People, for a multitude of reasons derived from a mixture of their environmental and mental influences, will steal, rape, and murder each other. So how can I protect you from these threats while being the pacifist, bleeding-heart, anti-gun liberal that I am? The solution. Well, first off, a gun is not an option. Although it would be extremely helpful in the case of an apocalypse... And I feel vastly more sympathetic to those who choose to own a gun than ever before. I still have one ethical issue with this choice. I fear that the simplicity of its function would cause a different kind of paranoia. I believe that if life is to be taken under any circumstance, I prefer to require more effort than just pulling a trigger. So I found an alternative to this limitation. I will use, I will use a dual weapon system. Where I combine pepper spray in my offhand <laughs> and a samurai sword in my right hand. You don't need the pepper spray. <laughs> you, you can't shoot what you can't see. <laughs> and there's just something frightening and classic about a samurai sword. <laughs> Plus, I think there's something instinctively cautious about anything that looks like a gigantic knife. And I also feel like there's less chance for an accidental or domestic-related incident. (laughs) If something dies by a sword, it probably was meant to be. (laughs) 
So during these two sleepless nights, that's all it took. <laughs> these ideas profoundly scared me, and I laid awake staring at my ceiling, contemplating the frailty of life. How quickly it can all end, and everything there is to lose. Ultimately, all I can really do is place these dark thoughts into something constructive and embrace my role as your protector by teaching you how to protect yourself. So sharpen your steel, pack your bags, and stock up on pepper spray. The Boyle family will not be fucked with. John <laughs> <laughs> Boyle. Well, this is your kind of a downer show, but the ending was... Very spectacular. Event. It was life affirming. To try to wrap it up well. Um, so coming up next, we have another Nerdalogs troop member and Green Ranger fan, notoriously Kevin Reader. Everybody, thank you. Yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't heard the Green Ranger story, it's pretty fun. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, junior high for a minute um, for you guys, and uh, most specifically, playing eighth grade basketball. All right. So here we go. So I always kind of like sports, sort of. Um, I like being around other kids my age more than anything. Uh, friends are really nice to have. Uh, I just didn't like running all that much. Right. So I joined soccer my seventh grade year, and, and I was okay at soccer. Uh, the problem was is that all of my closest friends, the friends that I liked that we played video games with and we hung out on the weekends, they played basketball too. Perplexing. A little problem, I was terrible at basketball. Um, and, and the reason why is, it's confounded, uh, basically bad eye, hand-eye coordination, but I lived out in the country, and we had a gravel driveway. So if you ever try to dribble a basketball on gravel, <laughs> it's really hard, because the ball like flies really far. Um, so anyways, in seventh grade, I wimped out and I didn't play. Um, let's back up for just a second. I, I really want you to understand how terrible... At basketball, I was. And I'm going to try. So, and this is why I didn't play in seventh grade. So in seventh grade, in PE, we had a section uh, on basketball. The skills test at the, end of the, at the end of the class was to do five left-handed layups and five right-handed layups. And you were graded on how many layups you made. Uh, it seems a little ludicrous to me now, but, you know, to, like, grade a child on their ability to, or inability to score a basket into a small hole. Um... But that was the case. That's what the test was. I missed all of them. <laughs> all ten. Utter bricks. Some air balls. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, and my eyes, they, they welled up with tears. And, and I looked up into the, the bright fluorescent lights um, and, and in the gym just to dry out my eyes. And, and in that moment, I had an evil thought. Since we self-reported our results, I decided it was in my best interest to lie. Rather than to admit my own flaws and lack of ability, I lied. I'm not terrible at sports, don't get me wrong. I, I was the best in the class at badminton, so that counts, right? Um, <laughs> but my pride consumed me, uh, as well as the thought that I couldn't bear it failing at something. Uh, you know, I was a straight-A student, and I was like the, the kid who just loved academics and loved knowing things, so how could I... How could I get a zero? How could I fail? Oh, Ugh. Ugh. all right. So I lied. Uh, I said I made two left-handed layups and one right-handed layup. Three. Three out of ten. 
I couldn't bear to to lie enough to have a, a passing grade. Thirty <laughs> uh, percent was enough for me, um, but it seemed believable. Two left-handed layups because I'm left-handed and one right-handed layup. Um, but fate would catch up with me because um, it was my love of sweatbands and my desire to hang out with my friends that led me to play basketball in my eighth grade year, and I was I was just as terrible as seventh grade. Uh, <laughs> The only reason I was on the team is because they would let anyone play. And I was the last person in the game if I got in the game at all. There were so many games that I never played in. Uh, and I was what was known as a 30-30 player. Uh, up 30 points with 30 seconds left in the game. That's the only way I played. The only way. Um, and if anyone passed me the ball, I would freeze. Literally freeze. I'm on the court, somebody passes me the ball, and I just hold the ball. And I look around, and my coach would yell, Reader! Dribble! Dribble ball! Dribble it! I never dribbled. I never dribbled. Zero confidence in the game. Uh, So there was one game, one game, the 30-30 player that I finally got in, like, significant amount of time. So we were playing the small school out in the boonies of Illinois, even smaller and boonier than my town. Uh, the town was called Pawpaw, um, and everybody at, and everybody in Pawpaw was almost as bad as I was, so I got to play a lot. Uh, and I got into the game with two minutes and seven seconds left in the game, and that was the most I had ever played. And to a kid who never saw the floor but for 15 seconds, that was a scary, frightening amount of time. So much time. <laughs> Too much time. So much terrible, horrible fucking time. I really liked sitting. Not running and being the funny kid at the end of the bench. And, like, making beats and and singing into a cup with my friends and doing the bad, like, Bulls intro. Come on, let's go Bulls! Yeah, that's what we did. Um, And so there's two minutes and seven seconds left in the game, and we're up 40 points, and I hear my name. Radar! Oh, shit. I was in. And Papa sucked, so I couldn't suck any more than anybody on the floor already. But I remember it very clearly. I was standing at the top of the free, free throw line when all of you know my friends were gathered around the bucket. And somebody threw up a shot on Papa and it bricked. And it bounced out and somebody grabbed the rebound. So, and I was isolated near half court. And uh, somebody hurled the ball at me. And it, I caught it. And I was like, oh shit. I need to go to the other end of the floor and try and score a basket. Cool. So I grabbed the ball, and I turned, and I dribbled twice. And then I took 18 steps, (laughs) and I laid the ball in. But it went in, off of the glass, bounced in, scored. And I was so happy. I was so happy. Everybody, the whole bench, the whole bench of kids, all the starters, they were up. They were just cheering. Woo! Ow! And, and then there was a very, very late whistle. <laughs> very late. Because you could see that, like, the, the, the high school kid, that, like, it just broke his heart to see this kid be so happy to blow this whistle on this, like, poor, rotund, glasses-wearing, sweatband-wearing kid. Uh, my gla- If you've seen glasses from my junior high years, I'll share a picture with you. There were totally askew on my face. Um, anyways, 
he blew a whistle and, and he just made the traveling sign. And my heart sank for a second. But uh, for me, all that mattered was that the ball went in. Thanks, guys. That's the stuff movies are made of, Kevin. All right, uh, we have kind of, I think, a, a special guest to close out the stories for the night. Uh, this guy coming up is, I think, one of the coolest people I've ever met. Uh, let's run it down. He is a stand-up comedian, accomplished stand-up comedian. He's a college professor. He writes professionally for the website Comic Vine, which I am super jealous of because I wish I could get paid to do that. <laughs> and most recently, I'm sure you guys have all seen the Girl in a Comic Shop video. Uh, this fellow coming up took down the asshole who was criticizing us for putting it up there. Uh, so without further ado, Matt Elfring, everybody. He might tell a story, he might tell some jokes, he might do both, whatever. So I have, I have two, two stories because I've been thinking. Like, i got to tell stories. I don't want to tell jokes. Like People have heard my jokes. They suck. Um, okay, Comic Vine flies me out to San Diego every year. It's the, um, uh, I don't want to brag, it's the best fucking thing ever. Like, I love it. So like, I work 12-hour days, like, I sit in panels, and I, like, I write down, like, what Grant Morrison says, and I just kind of giggle and applaud to myself. <laughs> but at night, we get really drunk, because there's just, you got to get drunk while you're there. Um, I was at Hotel Indigo, which was the fancy hotel this past year, because we got upgraded. Um, and I'm sitting down at the bar with the marketing manager of uh, Whiskey Media, and Whiskey runs all these websites. And uh, we're hitting on the bartender a lot. And we're just getting hammered and we're talking about, you know, how are we going to get this site better? How are we going to, you know, get more people on this site? And I see a guy in a sailor suit walk mm. down with a girl. And I'm just like, yeah, look at that guy in a sailor suit, man. Look at that guy. It turns around, it's David Arquette. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's David Arquette, man. Like, oh, man, should we get him to come, like, drink with us? We want to drink with David Arquette? And he's like, no, let's not drink with David Arquette. I'm like, no, I'm going to get David Arquette to come over here. I'm like, hey, David Arquette. <laughs> and he turns around, and in my mind, I'm like, don't say something stupid, don't say something stupid. And the only thing that came to mind was, get away from me, you eight-legged freaks. <laughs> <laughs> he walked away pretty quick. <laughs> like, it was either that, or the other thing in my head was like, I loved it when you won the WCW championship. That was really great. He didn't drink with LL Cool J drank with my boss that night, though, which kind of pissed me off. <laughs> um, so they flew me out to uh, San Francisco, where the company's based out of two years ago, to do like a live internet show. We were going to, you know, go through, you know, talk about comics, interview people, do all this great stuff. And, you know, throughout the afternoon, we did all that. Who cares about what actually happened? Uh, after the show, we're brought outside to this giant block party out in like the, uh, the, the television district of San Francisco. And uh, I was talking to the camera guy, and he's like, oh, come over here, man. We got this camera. We're just going to videotape some stuff going over the night, and then we're all going to make a DVD of it, and uh, we're just going to watch it. It's going to be be a lot of fun. I'm like, that's great. Like, when is it? When is he, he going to turn it on? He's like, I'll turn it on now. And as soon as he starts turning it on, I'm, like, doing, like, Hulkamania promos. Like, you better watch out, macho man, like, shit like that. And I'll walk away and I'll come back and you know, I'll be like, Undertaker, you gotta... And like, I do this for five hours. <laughs> like, and increasingly I'm getting drunk because it's all free alcohol to work for the company. So I'm just like, I'm pissed drunk at the end of the night. It's just like, Tatanka. Um, I, went, I went to the hotel kind of that night. I got carried to the hotel room that night. 
and I checked my email, and I've got about forty messages from people from Comic Vine, and they're and they're all like, "What were you doing tonight? You were retarded. <laughs> what are you talking about?" The video was streamed to sixty to seventy thousand people online. <laughs> there was a thread on Giant Bomb called. Who's this fat fag chubby fag? <laughs> like there's animated gifs online of me doing this. <laughs> that's the most embarrassing shit that's ever happened to me. I just bought a house with my girlfriend. We we I'm from the suburbs. I used to be from the city. But I moved to the suburban life so I could have the, you know, the wife and the kid and all that shit. I had this horrible like nightmare like as as we as we first moved in that that I would not get laid anymore. Like that was my number one fear. It wasn't like you know you've got to paint the fence or you've got to like build a garage. It was like that. I'm not going to have sex anymore. Because <laughs> when I when I had my own apartment, like I got laid a decent amount. It was about. I'm going to put it about here. <laughs> it, was, it was a good amount. When, and then when I moved back to my parents after college, it was like up here. Like it was awesome. Like, <laughs> when I lived with my parents, it was like a non-stop train of vagina straight to my penis. <laughs> but like, I thought like when I, when I was going to move in with my, when I was going to get our own house, that like the, the, the train would derail and then there would be a toxic spill, and the conductor would be like, we have to reroute the train to masturbation in the showerville. <laughs> and so I came up with this pretty, like, so the, so, the, so the lower your standard of living, the more sex you have. That was just my theory. And, and, and keeping in that, if that's true, then being homeless should be fucking awesome. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Oh, hello there. Are, are you homeless? Oh, me too. Let, let's go in the park under this bridge and engage in coitus for everyone to see in front of the children and the families. Be a delightful event on a Sunday afternoon in Grand Park. Homeless people are British, right? I'll tell a comic book store story, I guess, because does anybody else like work in a comic book store? So I, 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 I still work the, I still work at the comic book store. I don't know why, because I have like six other jobs, and I just cannot let go of this. Like this was my childhood dream was to work in a comic book store, and uh, now I hate it. I hate everything about it. I wish like I would was dead the entire day at work. Um, but we close at five o'clock, and I, I was locking up one afternoon. You know, I lock the door, and start counting out the register, and I hear like a knock on the door. It's like. I turn around, and there's, like, this, like, older version of me, skinnier, balder, and he's just like, hey, 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 I gotta get my books. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's 5 o'clock, I really want to go home. And he pulls out his, you know, his watch, he's like, my clock says 4.56. I'm sorry, like, my clock says 5, like, peace the fuck out. And, uh, and, he, and he walks away, and he turns around, and he's just like, you haven't seen the last of me! <laughs> That's like a fucking super villain. Right? You give him like a, you give him like a helmet and a cape, and you call him the Timeskeeper. Watch out for this LCD watch with calculator functions. There was another guy very very recently who um it was very hard for me not to hit him with like the, just pick up the register and hit him on the head with it. Uh, 
I was doing my normal, like my normal, my normal thing of, of working and counting out books and all that jazz. And I get to the to the front, and uh, the guy comes up to the counter. And he's like, "Oh, did, can you help with something?" He's like, "I did, but you didn't help me." <laughs> like you just okay, you just got in here. I'm sorry. He's just like, "Let me tell you something. You just lost a sixty dollars sale." <laughs> okay, all right. He's like. I mean, you work here for a living. That's pretty pathetic. Like, I guess it is, sir. I'm sorry you feel that way. About me working here. It's like, you know the customer is always right, too, right? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's great, man. I should have formulated this story a little bit better in my head. <laughs> Let the silence carry out. Um, my last name is Elfring, which is kind of like branding me a nerd for like since I was born like there's no way around uh, like it's one when I was born they should have been like you're gonna star in Willow like just go on <laughs> uh, and there's no way around that name like like even gr- like growing up like I wasn't like a nerd until like people started picking on me for being a nerd they're like a bitch you like Star Wars I'm like I haven't seen that movie but I bet I would like it because you're punching me in the face like <laughs> It didn't help during high school. Like it, help, it helps now, I guess, because people are like, hey, are you the dork with that dork name? Like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but I want to get out of that. I've been thinking about changing my name a lot. I want something that's like, that's like powerful, uplifting, awesome. So I'm thinking about Matt Awesome Sex. That's a pretty good name. <laughs> I skipped a huge part of that bit. <laughs> I think that's it. I think I'm going to be done. This is beer number three, so I'm going to see how this burger really goes. <laughs> this is talking about drinking too much.
Thank you.